why would it occur to you to uninstall the Bluetooth stack on a Linux machine just because people tell you that you have freedom to customize when you wouldn't do that? I mean, for the distribution, I'm sure that he was trying to remove it from, from GNOME, looks like. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, that stuff's really tied together, yeah. Yeah, it's it's integrated into the dis- into the system unless you roll your own in Arch or Gentoo. Like, I don't have Bluetooth in my, on my laptop just yet because I haven't rolled it in. But on Ubuntu, it would be rolled in for me. Why would you undo it? Freedom to customize, I feel like, is not really for But even if you undid the back-end stuff, it's still going to exist in the uh, in the GUI settings and stuff, probably. I, I don't think it would totally go away unless it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't? I have a Bluetooth section over here, but it doesn't work. Right, and that's fair because, mm-hmm. like, there are obviously a lot of machines that don't have Bluetooth, right? But in, in, and the, I get it. in the GNOME desktop, it's built in there, just like it is in Windows, just like you said. Um, because it's, it's, some they designed around it, at least as far as the UI. Yeah. So, I mean, it needs to exist somehow. Coming up in this episode, the Linux desktop is best. There are humans on the other end of the internet. We do some browser spectating, and Gentoo loses their mind. Hello, and welcome to Linux User Space. I'm Dan. And I'm Leo. Little break. Boy, are, are the cobwebs Ooh. there. Let's uh, yeah. Let's try and clear those so we can do an episode, <clears throat> huh? Nope, nope. Everybody's going to have to just come in here and enjoy the cobwebs with us. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, you know, we'll blow those out of the way. And uh, here we go. My eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Leo, uh, one of my teammates uh, over in Lubuntu land um, wrote a bit of a controversial uh, thing on Mastodon. Looking to get some, hmm. uh, you know, feedback. Essentially, well, before I spoil it, um, so the question really is: so why don't you use Linux, right? And and mm-hmm. and, and the Im- implication was the Linux desktop. Why don't you use the Linux desktop? This is from Aaron Rainbolt, and I think ultimately. Aaron was looking to kind of address some of those things, at least as far as Lubuntu. You know, what what's holding you back um, from using Linux as a desktop on a full-time basis? And so it's, yeah. it's a valid question. It was a poll, and I'll have a link to it, and you can go find it um, over on Mastodon. Yeah, his post said, what is it about the Linux distros you tried that made it or them unsuitable for you to use? If some problem or set of problems was fully resolved, would it be enough for you to be able to comfortably use Linux? You could, it it was a poll on the internet. You could choose too buggy, too unfamiliar, lacking any good alternatives to critical software, lacking critical software or alternatives aren't an option, overwhelming number of choices, as we see with this poll itself, incompatible with media I use, incompatible with my computer, simply didn't like it or other, or what's linux yeah what yeah what what now yeah he <laughs> he did he did hashtag windows and mac os so at least on mastodon it kind of it, it 
it proliferated a little further out than just hashtag Linux, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And it should. Like, you know, it's a good question. Um, yeah. And obviously, those are the people that you really want to want to send it to. And it also got posted on Twitter and it's in Reddit land as well. So you you, you may have seen it around. And if not, I'll definitely link it back to the, the Mastodon post that started it all. Yeah. When you when you look at the poll itself, or at least the one on Mastodon, because mm-hmm. I, I saw this on Mastodon, I just kind of I'm I'm a little insular when it comes to social media, especially lately, because we've got the Lemmy and mm-hmm. we've got the Mastodon and um I've really kind of fully embraced those and I've I forget on a regular basis to post this stuff on Linux user space over to Twitter. Oops. So yep, um, fair. you know, yeah. So um Anyway, so I was looking at the Mastodon one and the lacking critical software, alternatives aren't an option option was the 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 most popular by far at twenty eight percent. The next uh was twenty one percent and that was a comment. So it was probably a permutation of one one or two or three or four of those options. Right. And that's as soon as I got reading it, I didn't even have to read the options. That was that was number one. That's number one on your list. Exactly right? what I was gonna say. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, I can't get Photoshop. Well, I can't get my games to work. I can't get. I can't get. I can't get. And it seems like most people agree that software is the main driver that mm-hmm. keeps them away. And I think that's a fair criticism. However, I would say the gap is definitely closing. Right. We mm-hmm. we we see things all the all the time, and. We also see alternatives, and I guess sometimes there, while there are comparisons and, and lists and tables and all sorts of stuff out there to kind of highlight, you know, how certain pieces of software, you know, that you would use in Mac OS or, or Linux or, or Windows um, are available as an alternative potentially in Linux – you know, there's there's comparisons to get all of that together. I think yeah. one of the things that you and I try to do oftentimes on this show is highlight software that is available on all three platforms, at least yeah. all three all three of those platforms um, on a regular. That way, you know, the 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 platform that you choose is not standing in your way from using the software. I guess, right? You, yeah, so you can't. I'm, I'm, you can't say that. Oh, it's just not available for me. Well, it is. Because right. That's what we're trying. Yeah, and we haven't done an app focus in a, in a little while. But I told Dan the next time we do an app focus, I'm going to focus on uh, local send because this is another one of those apps that that is absolutely 100 percent cross platform. It works on absolutely everything. I toss mm-hmm. files from uh, my phone where I record video. I toss files from my laptop where I record the audio all to my desktop where I do the editing. And it's such a seamless experience that it is irrelevant what operating just if I'm using Windows to record on in Audacity that day or if I'm on Linux or if I'm on uh, iOS or I just have a, you know, lingering Android device that I'm using or if I'm just on my Mac that day, like whatever it is. It's a huge focus for me. But I think a lot of that comes from uh, Linux is an afterthought mm-hmm. for a lot of companies a lot of times, but not for the local send people. And that's why yeah. I use local send. That's why I've donated to local send. That's why um, I continue to look for software. Vivaldi's another one, but you know, that's later. That I I just absolutely have to use because it's everywhere. And it it's device agnostic, machine agnostic, yep. and it does not care what I use. That's super important to me. But I think it's coming from that 
you know, it wasn't available on Linux. So now I have to find something that's compatible. And yeah. now that's just kind of been part of my ethos. Right. And I, so, yeah, but it def works. Definitely. That's one of the things that we try to highlight is there are things that, um, you know, are, are multi-platform available. And we try to highlight that. We try to at least test them, you know, to know if the functionality is wildly different between them. And for the most part, no, let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. But I guess that could be too, especially like you said, when Linux is not one of the thoughts and tests, it's not something that's getting tested. You know, they're, they're just creating software for one of the other, you know, Windows or Mac OS, and then just tossing it over the fence to the Linux users it may have problems and that could that could sour your experience right oh sure and and if you're having a bad experience if you have one bad experience like especially on the first time that might spoil it forever i think you know there's definitely the that crowd out there that has had a bad time and they never want to revisit it again um because it was such a bad time for them i guess for those folks i i just want to say sorry you feel that way but that's really unfortunate because I think there's a lot of benefits that you can get from yeah. using the Linux desktop. Yeah, things change, man. Um, especially, I mean, we we've been we've been talking about Wayland for quite a little while mm -hmm. now, and that's one of those things that are a changing. Right. And I mean, for better or for worse, you have to poke it a yeah. little bit. Well, I had a conversation on the internet about Wayland and its inability to be deployed for this person on on a wider network of you know more than one machine right mm -hmm. and one of the things i was holding it back was any desk any desk does not support wayland but it's not impossible and i think that's the impression mm -hmm. that a lot of people get when when they run any desk and they see or any software and and they see it's not wayland compatible i get that that's the one that they want to use but a lot of times they just blame it on wayland mm -hmm. and in a in a way i guess you could but when uh, when Rust Desk works just fine using the Wayland protocol, then I don't think it's a Wayland problem that any it's it's a it's um they're they're holding on to X, but I get it right because there's development cost in having to retool to get onto Wayland. I, it's it's not you know it's not some zero sum game or anything like that. But it's just that any desk will support Wayland eventually because right. the entire the entire uh, everybody's moving to Wayland. I mean, right. Red Hat dropped X, like an X server in RHEL 10. So, which is a ways away. Like, like, like it's a ways it away. Is. I get it, but it's and, happening. And RHEL 9, RHEL 9 will be supported for years and years and yeah. years to come. So it's not like X is going anywhere. That's not right, what right. I'm saying. Right, right. But um, we're moving on. Yeah. Wayland will be the target and eventually will be the only target. So any desk will happen. Right. It will be Wayland, right. but it's just not Wayland yet. So I, I think you get the perception, though, that when you're using any desk and then you try to move to the newer software and it just doesn't support it, that it's the software, like the Wayland stack, that's at fault and not necessarily any desk. And I don't, I don't think there's fault there. Right. I just think that um, there's you need a little more time to bake. And that's perfectly fine. That's what the LTSs are for. That's what... Um, yeah, that's what the LTSs are for. Stick on the LTS. If you need right, software right, right. to be able to to count on that software for years and years, that's the point. Right. Well, and I, I'll say, like, distributions will get lumped into the blame, 
you know, category as well. Oftentimes, oh, yeah. uh, it, for, for the, the same, same reasons, for the same reasons. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It, and, and sometimes, and I'm not suggesting that people should, you know, shuffle around and do the distro hop dance, um, all over the place. Cause that could be frustrating as well, you know? So that's not, that's not a great suggestion. And I know that, that, you know, some people take exception to that. I'll, I have a Reddit post here. That's a response. That's uh, not safe for work. Um, if you will. Um, <laughs> so it, we won't quote it directly. I won't quote it directly. However, it, it, it is, uh, I'm basically paraphrasing some of that. Right. And, and I don't think it as salty as the, the post is it's somewhat justified and I can totally appreciate and understand their, their view. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. But, um, it may lack and I don't mean this to be critical necessarily. It may lack um, the ability to have an open mind, I guess, in, in some in some regard. All right. So lay it on me. What what why? Why can this person not move over? Oh, just because they thought it, they, they thought it was terrible. They, they basically had a bad experience. Lots of incomplete things. And, and yes, all of this equates to software. But. I think a lot of their point was specifically software that is part of the OS. Okay. And mm -hmm. in regards to that, one of the, one of the examples that they cited was that, um, they wanted to remove the Bluetooth package or Bluetooth backend, I guess, because they, they, their machine is a desktop and it doesn't have any Bluetooth. Well, that's fantastic. And you can't take away my freedom. Yeah, no, and freedom is a thing. It's supposed to be what you have, but I don't know that some of those core things um, necessarily should be removed. I mean, I guess you could look at Gentoo um, potentially and just not compile the Bluetooth components alongside of it, maybe. Um, but does that mean that the GNOME desktop would have a blank space where it says Bluetooth? No, I don't think so. I think it's still going to be there and it just won't do anything. So you can't totally yeah. write it out of there. Bef before you go on, hold on. I can, yeah, I, can, yeah. I can take on the answer to that question because I have a Gentoo machine that I haven't compiled Bluetooth on yet. And yeah, when you open up settings, you go in the left and you can see where the Bluetooth should be and you click on Bluetooth and it's just like, no Bluetooth modules. I don't know what you want me to do here. No. And so the, it's just the, got a little Bluetooth logo and that's it. Yeah. But the menu is still there and it's not totally wiped away from the machine. So yeah. nor would I expect it to be because guess what? In the other platforms that we mentioned, uh, Windows and Mac OS, it still exists there too. And, yeah. uh, and, and you may have a machine that doesn't have Bluetooth or it's disabled or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But th this goes into that wider conversation that I've had in the chats, in our own chats that... Um, I'm I'm very much in favor of bloat, and that sounds controversial, but I don't think it really is when you when you peel it back to what it really means. Yeah. Bloat is just what the operating system is, and that a singular user has decided that that's too much, and and I feel like that's that's the first step before someone is like, well, by the way, Arch. Yeah. Because when you when you end up in a situation like that, you're like, well, Ubuntu is too full fat for me. I need something slimmer. It's okay to de bloat when you're building it yourself. Mm -hmm. But when you're but when you're taking building an Ubuntu, it for the mass. you know, yeah. yeah. But when you're taking <laughs> as a user, when you're taking Ubuntu and you're deciding that Ubuntu adds too many things, I think you're out of the use case now of what Ubuntu is trying to target. You're no longer the target audience for an Ubuntu. I think. 
people that use an Ubuntu are meant to just accept the bloat. Right. And I don't I don't even necessarily think it's bloat. I think it's just the system. Yeah. When when you start thinking in those terms of, well, this is bloat and this is bloat, and I'm gonna take this off because yeah. freedom, uh th- I don't think that's what freedom meant. Free I, I think well, the I mean, freedom it, that we're talking about is it more freedom. Does, but boy, you're really gonna get in there and start doing some heavy patching in order to make that happen. But I guess like you're welcome to fork <laughs> all that stuff and, and go to town and start, you know, re you know, hacking away at it and removing all the Bluetooth components that are in the GNOME desktop, but that doesn't sound trivial to me, and uh, you know I've seen some of the some of those things, and uh, I wouldn't want to go there. I, I guess I I need to see what he was seeing about the Bluetooth thing, right? Um, because it sounded like the whole entire system melted down. <laughs> and, and maybe it would. I like I, maybe there is a heavy dependency with the GNOME desktop on the thing that he was trying to remove. Well, I, I guess if you're trying to target modern laptops, all modern laptops have Bluetooth. Yeah, absolutely. And it's heavily used. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. of course it is. Now, whether or not Bluetooth is functional all the time, every time, that's a different right. conversation. Oh, well. And I've, I've had my run-ins with that, and that's been hurtful. <laughs> yeah. Not amazing. It's not always as convenient as you hope for, that's for sure. Uh, you know, you know, when you, when you turn on your Bluetooth thing and it doesn't just automatically connect when it's the only thing it's ever connected to, mm, or, the experience could be better. Yeah. When yeah. you, when you say, can you hear me now a whole bunch of times, uh, it might not be going well for you. I don't know. I think the whole thing really does boil down to software. I know that there are, there are issues like with Blue Z and Blueberry mm-hmm. and Blue, all the Bluetooth things, um, that, that can be a little hit and miss but i i think i think that's exactly why i use all the things mm-hmm. i use all the things I, I don't think i've i've uh said that too terribly loud on the show but i use all the things as far as the show is concerned i use a linux stack to to record and edit and all that kind of stuff unless for some reason i accidentally blew up my ubuntu that day <laughs> yeah so I, i'll say 99.5 percent of all the episodes have have been done in linux but the vast majority of everybody else is is just because the software is not there, mm-hmm. uh, not because their onboarding experience was particularly bad or anything like that. Because, yeah, I think there's a there's something that you have to do with Linux that you don't have to do with any operating system, and I think it's the 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 real crux of the argument that says that you know Linux would get popular if you could buy one from Walmart or from. They tried that. Yeah. Well. No, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. Because everybody hated e-machines with Windows on it, too. Yeah, I know, I know. The machines that that, that got sold like that at Walmart were terrible. Right. And I think I think that's why I think that's why the framework does as well as it does, because it's a premium laptop, but you can put Linux on it. And I think there's an option for people to just put their operating system on it. But yeah, it's a bit more of a first-class citizen there, uh, in that they do they don't necessarily ship it with Linux on it, but they do some testing and they're they're happy to um, work on issues that, yeah. that are related to Linux, right? So yes, yeah, I but agree with that. If if we're gonna compare it to phones, right? Like it's like it's taken an uh, an Apple phone, mm-hmm. a new you know within three or five years Apple phone, and then within three or five years Android phone, and then putting it up against a Nexus five mm-hmm. with UB ports on it because that's what UB ports runs on. I, I don't, I, I know it runs on more, but you have these huge hardware discrepancies between the different 
offerings and it's going to color your decision if yeah. you buy it off the shelf like that. Yep. So, you know, I don't think we've done it. I don't think we've done it. Not in a Dell front page, you know, half right. of the page when you get on there kind of way. We haven't done that. You know, Walmart doesn't have a $1,000 laptop. Yeah, or Best um, Buy or Micro Center or, or any of those, right? Because that, that might be a better place to try to target some of that stuff, at least to yeah. start with is like yeah. the Best Buys or the Micro Centers or someplace like that where um, it's technology first. And so Walmart, I don't know. They're, they're going to end up like that girl in that got the laptop for Ubuntu 604 or whatever for college and it like didn't read a DVD or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, wait a minute. This is not right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah, that, 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 that wouldn't be the greatest place to target, I think, initially because um it's it's not it's not the right market if you will yeah um, it's not but eventually maybe someday i don't know when that is but yeah whatever yeah i i think there's also an undertone of you just have to kind of care you have to kind of care about the operating system you do. on your on your on your machine because otherwise why would you even consider it why is it even an option you you, you can't buy it from mm -hmm. a shelf so but you can I mean, there, there's like, there, there are obviously the vendors that sell things with Linux on them, right? Yeah, but because it's not a front page thing, you have to know about it in the first right. place to go searching for it. Yeah, you have to be, you have to have an interest. Yeah, it's not in the public conscious. It's not a thing. So yeah, you don't um, see billboards you know, up up there that you know are raving about the tuxedo. Except with Lindos, they just got sued into the ground, though. They're Linspire now. And yeah, free spy. That might not be great though. Yeah. I want to do a history episode on those guys because they're they're pretty fantastic. And the guy behind them, uh, it might be a little rough around the edges, but he's pretty fantastic too. Sure. Um he's he's the one that said, you know, if you bought a super premium, super duper Lindos license, mm -hmm. you know, years and years and years and years later, he's like, Yeah, I'll still I'll, I'll still, still honor honor that. Yeah. Yeah. It's what? Okay, that's that's really, really cool. So I I do want to go back and do uh uh something about them because mm -hmm. that would be fun. But yeah, I think that's it, man. I, it's it's not it's not in front of you, so you've probably never even considered it. That's I'm I'm surprised that the what what's Linux option wasn't higher. Yeah, seriously. But you know, maybe you've heard of it, right? But um, never even considered running it. And if you do consider running it, the first thing you're going to run into is the fact that you know all your software is not going to be immediately available to you. You can't get Apple Music on it, right? I mean, you have to you have to know There's the different software ways to right, get right. Spotify on it, and that's already half the reason people run computers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> some of those, yeah. I mean, there's like alternatives, right? Yeah. I mean, so like, um, I don't know if it still works or not, but like, Cider was an option, right, for your Apple Music, right? Oh, I I paid money for that one. Yeah. That one's fantastic, and yeah. I have I have an RPM, I have a Deb, I have a Windows executable, I have a I have a DMG. Oh yeah, it that was worth the what was it like three dollars or something? Right. That was so so a hundred percent worth it. So. Totally exists, but you gotta, you have to know. That, yeah, but you that gotta know. You have to know that it exists, or you, you know, yeah. right? And so I think that's half the battle is getting the education and peace component out there that, hey, yeah. most of those things that you are trying to do, you can do. It's just not named the same sometimes, and it still yeah. works just as well, maybe better even. There's better, better tools. Um, well, it doesn't help that we name things Conqueror, you know. No. No, not, no, no, not no. that Firefox means web browsing, but <laughs> right, right, yeah. No naming, naming is kind of, kind of, kind of crud. But um, yeah. yeah, there's, there's all options. I don't think it's bad. I just think we need to get away from this idea that uh, software 
needs to say the name of the thing that it is. Um, That's true. There's a, there, there's a description for that, but, eh, you know, you know. Yep, I do. Anyhow, why why do, why don't you use Linux? Um, you know, well, okay, you know, this kind of a weird question come from a Linux podcast that you're listening to on whatever it is that you're listening to it on. Uh, so you probably do use Linux, but if you're if you're not maining Linux, if Linux is not fifty one percent of your computer usage, how come? Yeah, what's, what is it? Yeah, what's holding you back? What's keeping you away? Is it the software? Please say yes so that I can be right. Oh man, you got to say no now. Okay, let me see. How do I do housekeeping? How does that even work? Um, <laughs> don't forget, if we're if you're watching this on YouTube, this doesn't apply to you. But we're on YouTube. If you're watching the history thing on Tilvids, uh, this also doesn't apply to you. But we're on Tilvids too. And of course, if you like if you like this stuff, um, if you like our insane, <laughs> obviously way too long ramblings. Um, the fact that we get cobwebs at least two times a season. Um, if you like all that stuff, if you like the, uh, I don't know, the opinions, the, the work that we put into it, the content that comes out of it, uh, the community aspect, any of that part, any of that stuff, if you like it, there's always Patreon, patreon.com slash Linux user space. But everywhere else, I mean, you know, all the other stuff, just type in Linux user space. There's a good chance you'll find us probably on the top of the list if you're not on the Googles. I don't know if, Google. I haven't used Google search in a long time, so we might be on top up there. But, um, yeah, you know, go find us and uh, watch us and listen to us and stuff like that. So, you know, there we go. Housekeeping with the cobwebs on. Yeah, browser watch. So, Firefox... Uh, we've had a couple of releases, honestly. So, what 120 um now has the copy link without tracking feature. So when you right click on something and you copy a link, um, in theory, it should remove all of the the super janky tracking stuff that uh, ties that link to you. Yeah, that's gross. By the way, it I hated it. Gross and like a, like a, it saves you know, from manually or adding an extension from manually editing the links that you copy and paste, or, you know, I think there are some extensions that will do this for you as well, but it saves you installing those. And I think it's a great feature to be added. Really. Do. I think that's where the browser wars are, are at mm -hmm. now. It's, it's features of the browser and not. That's good. You know, I can, I can render this page 2% faster because 2% means like 0 0.001 milliseconds now. So right. it doesn't really matter that much. But this is a super important thing I, for me I agree. because I, for the very, I, it doesn't matter what, what, what it is. If it says, if there's a question mark in mm -hmm. the URL, yep. that, that's, that's the trigger. And I am triggered. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, no, yes. delete, delete all of that before I send it to somebody. And if I actually, if I accidentally just, you know, absentmindedly copy paste into a chat or whatever, I'll go in and edit it. I'm like, absolutely not. I don't need you to be tied to me when you go look at the thing that I told you to go look at. That's no, I absolutely hate the tracking in it. And this is, this browser wise is going to be a lot about tracking or mm. at least the first half of it will be. Indeed. I hate it. It's annoying. So, I think that Firefox is doing a pretty good job with this. I do too. But 
it doesn't have the click-through thing. So if you go straight to Amazon, you find something on Amazon and you copy link without tracking, which is you right-click in the URL bar to get the link or you right-click on the product yep. that you want to link to somebody and you do the copy link without tracking and then you send it to them. It will strip out all of that whole, well, they found the original item from searching in the Amazon bar and then, or they found it in the app and all, right? So yeah. it loses all of that tracking. There's still uh, some references in there, but by and large, it rips out yeah, a lot of, of the tracking yeah. stuff. Yeah. Now, the thing that it doesn't do, and I think DuckDuckGo may get like affiliate funding from this so if you do the shopping tab in DuckDuckGo after you look like because Focusrite is now getting support in the Linux kernel in 6.8 mm -hmm. yep. right and that's the that's that's this I have that I have that now and it's right. going to be supported by the yay so when I take the Focusrite and I search it in DuckDuckGo and then I click on shopping or if it just immediately shows me some Amazon links or whatever and you click on that that's got a DuckDuckGo URL to it and it tunnels mm. through some kind of DuckDuckGo something or other to you know do tracking on DuckDuckGo's end Firefox doesn't fix those uh, almost like the YouTube links if you put them down in a in the comment yeah. or the the description section right they always reference YouTube and then they go you know, there's like a, a refer right. sort of thing going on there. Right. Yeah. This is so YouTube can track you, but on the other end, there may or may not be tracking because we don't know what YouTube is presenting to the other end. Right. Um, and yeah, so DuckDuckGo is doing a little bit of that. Mm. I'm not a fan of that, but I like DuckDuckGo and I trust that they are not tracking. They are not allowing Amazon to then track me after that. Right. So right. I don't do a lot of shopping from DuckDuckGo. I'll just be honest, honestly. So I don't, I don't think, think that the actually... browser is the place that you typically do. I mean, you usually go to your, your vendor site and start from there, right? You do, Dan. But as we have established, uh, we also use Linux and nobody else does. So. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're... <laughs> we do things differently We do here. things differently. I'm not going to deny yeah. Yep. You're, you're uh, to right. be honest with you, I think, I think there's a huge contingent of people that Google something in Google and then click on the first thing that comes the up because it looks ad. like a cheap... Yeah, it looks like a cheap price, and then there's like a gajillion pounds of tracking on that that takes you to the website, which and continually they're off to tracking you. Or Alibaba or whatever. Yeah, right. Good God, don't do that. Don't. That's that's how you get a that's how you get a two terabyte flash drive filled with lead. That's really just a sixty four gig flash drive. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon's bad at, about that already. Already. Oh, I know. And yeah, thankfully there's um. Uh, I forget the name of the app, but there's a it's a Windows only app, but it'll it'll actually write everything. It'll figure out how big your drive actually oh, is. Yeah. Vera 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 Drive, Vera, Vera something like that drive. I'll I'll find it. I'll let you know eventually. Um but there's something that'll tell you. Anyway, don't do that. But anyway, for the most part, copy link without tracking does work. I really enjoy it. I use it when I can. If it fails, I fix it because I'm just that kind of guy. But I appreciate that regular folks it do catches, have the it option. It catches you more than not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then there's uh, global privacy protection. So there's a bit of history with this one. It it started with uh, the passing of GDPR in 2016. In the in, So in the EU, basically said that, you know, you have to get people's consent to track them. 
And that spawned in the entire cookie banner thing where it's mm. like, do you want to accept these or accept these? That's really what it boiled down to, man. They tricked people and, and, and they continually trick people. And I, I, the reason I'm bringing it up is because we got that in the U.S., whether we asked for it or not. You know, our, our, our government didn't mandate any of that, but nope. we got it anyway. And there are ways that we in the U.S. can now opt out of a lot of the tracking, which is great. And then there was um, a kind of a, a, an industry iteration on that called the Do Not Track Flag. Right. That you could enable in many of the browsers. Chrome, even Chrome supports it. I know. That's how pervasive it is. Even Google Chrome supports the do not track flag. And it's basically a signal that you turn on in, in your browser that, that tells any website that you go to, don't track me. It's, a, it's kind of a bad signal now because it's not on by default. So it's, ve- it's only the, the security conscious. And those are the kinds of people that you probably do want to track. So that signal is really the opposite of what it really means. Because the industry didn't have to follow it. Amazon could see the do not track flag and be like, oh, I'm going to track you extra hard now. So, you know, there was no teeth behind it. But now, now, Germany has legal backing for do not track. So in Germany, it is now illegal to track people when they have the flag on. Mm. Now, I, this is an extension of the GDPR and the do not track. And now there's legal teeth behind yeah. tracking people, at least in Germany, tracking people. Yeah, internet's global, so. Exact. That's why we got the benefit slash horror of the GDPR cookie banners, right? Right, right, like, right. I'd see what they were trying to do, and it was good in spirit, but it really served to annoy yeah. absolutely yep. everybody, and then you just open the door to tracking everybody all the time because nobody cared about it and just hit accept, mm-hmm. right? And I think this is absolutely fantastic, but it's not, there yet firefox supports it right that's really what the the, that's what this is really all about the the new feature in firefox 120 i know this 121 but in 120 uh firefox now supports in private mode in germany uh you can now uh surf privately and the cookie banners are gone will be blocked automatically i know yeah so if you have dnt on do not track and you're in a private mode in Germany, you won't even see the banners, which is beautiful. Um, I mean, I know there's, yeah. there's there's extensions and stuff that you can install to kind of mitigate some of that privacy badger. EFF, thanks. Yeah, no, no, and and that works fantastic. You um, block origin. Oh, yeah, so you, Gorehill, you, thanks. Yeah, you you block. You got to turn it on there though. You do. I turned a bunch of things on in you block, honestly, and that is one of them. So. But I think it's smart to do that mm-hmm. at the browser level. I think oh, it's yeah. absolutely 100% smart yep. um, to, to do that because, I mean, we, we saw the stats years ago that, uh, you know, only like 15% of people actually install extensions. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Some, some crazy small number of people actually install extensions. So having it at the browser level is, is the right move, uh, I think. And then, you, you know, if you don't want it or whatever, you can just turn it off. Right. But right now you can turn it on. So this whole cookie banner blocking thing, you can actually go in and, and, and turn that on on a uh, per website basis, or you can go in and just turn it on globally. So fantastic. I think it's beautiful. Things that are happening in Germany, things that are happening in the EU have a much, much wider uh, impact. And I appreciate that because I don't think we're doing a whole lot about that over here. We are not. And we should, but we're not. And I appreciate any movement of the needle toward privacy. 
Or at least the option of, yeah. Yeah. The cynical Leo in me says that cookies are going away anyway because Google is forcing it. So that's why this uh, this legislation and that's why the websites that are that are really doing the tracking here are so, oh, okay, sure, yeah, we'll do that. Um, but still, it's a good move regardless because even when Flock, or not the not Flock, it's the next iteration that was basically yeah. Flock but slightly better, um, when that really does truly take hold, there will still be websites out there doing cookies and stuff like yep. that. So this is going to help with that, and I really, really do appreciate that. So get rid of your cookie banners, uh, get some more privacy, and um, and yeah, don't don't rope other people into this whole privacy mess by using the copy link without tracking. It's it's super important. But more Linux centric. Ubuntu users. Yeah. So this final point here for 120, uh, users on Ubuntu that now can can now import from Chromium when both are installed as snaps. So, so that's like the bookmarks and stuff. Yeah. So like your bookmarks, any safe passwords, any of you know all of the stuff that you save, maybe potentially in your browser, uh, you can now sync export that from Chromium, import that into Firefox, even if they're they're snaps. Because obviously that stuff gets stored in a different place. And mm-hmm. so now the, the import and export things work like they should. That's pretty cool. They got to be snaps. But if you're on Ubuntu, they probably already are. So Both of them are on Ubuntu. So that was the sticking point, right? And I think there was some ability to import from other things um, into the Firefox snap already. Um, so mm-hmm. this, this sort of, you know, closes the the hole if you will and gets it gets it all firmed up i believe pretty cool and finally in uh firefox 121 so yeah 120 came out in like november or something the end of i guess yeah 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 so we could have covered it we didn't cover it but anyway so that's 120 and in 121 firefox on linux if you're on a wayland desktop Firefox is now Wayland by default. And of course, if you're on X or whatever, um, it will fall back to using X or X Wayland or something like that. If mm-hmm. For some reason, yep. you can't use Wayland. Um, it'll, it'll work. But it's huge for me. For me, personally, it's huge. Because on my framework, I scale at one and a half. And if I'm Opening up Firefox from the tarball, it was X Wayland, mm-hmm. and that meant that everything was blurry. Mm-hmm. But now, since Firefox 121, which is the one you get now if you go download, right? Well, okay, probably by the time you hear this, 122, but whatever. Now, when you go get a Firefox, it will be Wayland first if Wayland is available, and that means that I don't have to go into about colon config. Yeah, yeah, go and change it, force it. Yeah, yeah. So that just that makes my life a little bit easier, and I don't have to worry about it. And I can uh, well, I can use the tarball at my leisure. And it's working to be the norm in in some places, so it's good to probably try to do that out of the gate. Yep, and I think uh, I think Ubuntu had a lot to do with this because uh, the snap has been wailing first for a long time. Yep, it has. So for months at least, if not yeah, longer, quite a little while. Uh. Because uh, you open up Firefox on a freshly installed Ubuntu on a scaled desktop, and it looks correct. Mm-hmm. So uh, they've been doing it for quite a long time, and I really, really appreciate that. Yep. Even though I appreciate not using a browser in a containerized format, um, you know, having having a browser that wasn't 
trash looking out yeah, of the box. Yeah, it needs to look really good nice. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, again, that previous conversation about, mm-hmm. you know, why don't you use Linux? That's that could be part of it. So, yeah. Yeah. So Some... look, if it looks good, it looks good. Absolutely. And so um, one final thing is now you can force underline for all links that, that you yeah. have. And that's a, that's an I, option. Yeah. Yeah. With my glasses, I can see the screen well, but there, there's no type of there, there's no type of assistive technology to help you to look at links when the text is black and the link is black and there's no underline under the link. You just kind of have to guess. Right, that that was a link. Yeah, or something. Ho- you're hovering all around the page, like yeah. trying to find where the links are and stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that's annoying. Absolutely not. So um, this is a cool feature in Firefox that allows you to yep. force an underline under all links all the time. Now it doesn't help, I guess, if all the text is underlined. But the fact that you can do that, the fact that you can highlight a link uh, outside of a sea of text, is mm-hmm. extremely important to me. Um, so, yep. You better believe I turned that one on before we got into the show here today. Oh, cool. So, and to uh, round out the browser watch, uh, a little Vivaldi news. Uh, 6.5 was, uh, you know, introduced. And uh, with that came a new Sessions panel. And so this is kind of a cool thing. Basically, Sessions are a way for you to store all your open tabs and start over with a clean slate. The, the cool thing with the Sessions basically lets you store your state and then um, save it. And then, you know, when you come back, you can start right where you were. And you can even have, you know, multiple sessions and they all show up, you know, as you save them. It can do mm-hmm. auto auto save some of your sessions, too. So, you know, you don't absolutely lose everything um, necessarily. It saves them like once an hour kind of thing. And so you can uh, try to get back to, uh, you know, where you were with all your tabs and all your whole workspace basically can jump right back into it. I think this is kind of a neat, neat feature to have. It's it's super important to me because I end up um, I end up in these weird rabbit holes and Firefox is OK at handling it. It but is. I, I what I can't stand is, uh, you know, when you when you have so many tabs up at the top mm. that. Like it no longer has words because they're so scrunched in and it's just icons. At that point, I'm lost. You know, because I'll, I'll have three of the same icon up there. And I'm like, well, which one? And I know that I can click on them all and find them. And the most recent is on the right. But that, I mean, if you've seen some of the history rabbit holes I've no gone boy. down, you you realize pretty quickly that the at the point at which they are opened is not the only indicator of which one I want to, you know, go back through them. So when there's no text, I've I've lost all context, and this is a way for me to to save my personal session right into into one of the the Vivaldi sessions and leave that off over here, and then open up a new session where it's only digging into the weeds of a Wikipedia post or a history or uh, whatever, and it allows me to swap between the two. And I know you can kind of do that with workspaces, but yep. um, th- this is. This is, I think, more my speed. But, I mean, I guess the other thing is, like, I think Vivaldi's really taking, you know, a hard look at some of these things and trying to come up with solutions that that fit in a lot of different ways. So, like, you've got, yeah. the, you got the tile uh, tiled tabs, you got the stack tabs is another way. You can have your vertical tabs. I mean, all of those things are options, right, to help people 
try to get their organization stuff going. And then this just adds another way that I think, um, you know, the sessions, you can save your session on top of that and have a couple of those going too. So I, I think this is a good step in that same direction in, in functionality and usability and, you know, yeah. delivering that first class experience in the way all of your tabs and stuff are managed. Yeah, I don't need workspaces on Firefox. What I need is sessions. This is something that I do need in Firefox because mm-hmm. um, it would really help me kind of uh, gather my thoughts and then put away the things that I don't need at the time um, and then just kind of focus because, uh, I mean, I'm one of those kinds of people that, that I'll get distracted easily. I mean, in, in, a, in a history or whatever, I'll just get distracted on something random and then find myself an hour later uh, saying, oops. Um, well, that was a little bit of wasted time, but I learned something yeah. oh, that is oh, not by... relevant at all. <laughs> yeah. And oh, by the way, I got to get back to work. So let me uh, relaunch yeah. that session that I was doing there. Right. Yeah. So if, if there's a, if there's a very like binary way of saying, you know, this is what I'm working on right now, um, that, that, that would help a whole lot. So I'd like to see that in Firefox, but I'm really proud that, that Vivaldi has it in there. Yep. I think it's cool. Then there's also Vivaldi Sync. That's been a thing for a while, but they've made some improvements right. here that I think are huge that were holding people back. Right. Vivaldi Sync only did history, uh, typed history, specifically typed history. If you typed it in, then it would then it would sync. Um, searching and the actual, you know, www addresses you typed into the address field. Mm-hmm. That would sync. But now, and it's not just that the history, all of the history, all the stuff that you did. Firefox already did this. This is why I loved them for it. Right. Um, Vivaldi now does all your history, syncs all of it. But it also, and this is the, the sticking point for me, all encrypted in the back end when syncing between devices. Mm. Yeah. Mm, it, mm, it, and much mm, like mm, one mm, of mm. the... F- like I love the way Firefox does its syncing, and so this sounds like identical to the way that yep. that works. And so I can only imagine that people are going to love this too. And that, like, if I'm on my phone, I can actually even see tabs that I have open on my desktop and yeah. pull them open on my phone. And that that's a really really handy thing to be able yeah. to I, navigate stuff. Like I know, like I can go into the living room and sit in front of the TV with just uh, you know a tablet or a phone or whatever, and I can say, "Oh, what was that thing that I was looking at on my desktop?" Yeah, and I can pull it up, and then there it is. Yeah, that's super important. Firefox has done that for a very very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only real other analog to that is the Apple stuff. Right. Uh, Safari will do that for you, um, but. No, I mean the 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 only open un, up until Vivaldi here recently, and they're getting better. They're not they're not just not quite one to one yet just yet. But the uh, the the real open analog was Firefox right. for the longest time. So this is good to see. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to see it. Oh, so this is the thing that that kind of gets me. We, me and Dan were talking about this prior to the show because I was talking about how um, there's there's no. I like Markdown. I like it a lot. Um, but it's not, it's not everything I want all the time. Uh, so sometimes when I'm writing, like writing, writing, like not, not just, you know, getting facts straight and adding in links for references and stuff like that. Um, when I'm just writing, uh, I'd, I'd like a cleaner interface. I'd like a, a non monospaced 
uh, experience. I, I, I would kind of like something closer to a notes app or a document of mm-hmm. some kind, but going full document leaves out a lot of dark mode uh, unless you like physically change your layout. Um, so that's where the notes app comes in and it, it kind of gets somewhere in the middle where you have, um, you know, some markdown stuff, um, but you also have dark mode and well, something popped up in Vivaldi. They improved their notes a little bit. And, uh, so Vivaldi has a notes app baked into the browser on the desktops um, that will sync, and it does all the stuff, right? It does the dark mode. It has markdown uh, compatibility. Now, I may not have just figured out how to get there. Dan was showing me right before the show that you can get two notes in the mobile Android. Yep. Yeah. So I'm on I'm on iOS, and I don't know if it's not a feature or what. I've just, I haven't looked yet. I mean, he showed me, and I was like, well, I can't look yet. Right. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I can. And if I can, this might be my new Notes app. Yeah, because the, the Notes here, they sync across all your devices. Right. Cross-platform. Right. I can, I can have a Valdi on every platform. I don't have to log in. Uh, well, I do have to log into the sync. Um but the only other thing I can really do that with is Nextcloud. There's um, there's a few apps that, that'll do it, right? But yeah, Nextcloud's one. Right. Of them. Yep. But I but on mobile I have to kind of do some hoop jumping mm-hmm. to to make that work. Um or uh or the Apple Notes app, right? Mm-hmm. And I can I can log into the web interface to to mess yeah. with those notes. But on the web you don't get a dark mode. Right. So I'm not happy about that. Well, one I've used uh, a few times, actually quite a little bit, is uh, Joplin. And Joplin, okay. Joplin supports different sync backends. Nextcloud could be your sync backend, or you can, oh. you, so you can, you can, you basically supply your own sync backend. It could be Google Drive, okay. it could be uh, OneDrive on Microsoft, or it could be Nextcloud, or you know whatever. Right? You basically supply your own backend, and you can sync, okay. sync things across that way too. But you have to use their application, right? And it's not, you know, so it's not maybe not as convenient, right, as mm-hmm. the Vivaldi. Um, browser has it built right in and it will sync with all of, you know, everywhere you're signed into Vivaldi. So that's kind of cool. Right. Okay. I don't know. So, so this is some something benefit. I have to, yeah, I have to look into this. Um, so it's available on all the devices, even in the car. Uh, yeah, I think like, like Volvo. Yeah. I think or it, somebody yeah, I think it's Vol- can run a Volvo has a Vivaldi browser, right? Yeah. Volvo has Vivaldi. I think yeah, that's okay. the one. Maybe it's not, but I think it is. Yeah. That's cool. Anyway, um, so that's something I'll be looking into. This is really cool. I think so. Um, and and apparently, Dan, we were looking at it a little while ago that you can you can just do straight markdown or something. You you had mentioned something about markdown. Well, I noticed there was a markdown little button there in in the in the notes app. So yes, I believe you can. Cool. Yeah, because because uh, I was even looking at just like writing it in, you know, exporting whatever I have as a doc, and then using Pandoc to export it or to convert it to Markdown. Um, I, I don't even mind doing that. I don't mind the rigmarole going through it as long as I I can have something that is truly cross platform. That's that's really what I'm after. But anyway, Vivaldi might do it. If Vivaldi does it, uh, I think I'll stop the search and just be content and write. That's that's cool. That's hard to do. Yeah. But Vivaldi might have it might have it figured out. Slick. 
If you want to find all the links that we're talking about, all the Vivaldis and the Firefoxes and all the things that we're talking about, go to linuxuserspace.show. You find this episode, you find all the links. You can also find us on the YouTubes. The links are there too. And the Tilvids on the history episodes, the links are there as well. If for some reason we forgot a link though, um, you can reach out to us. You can go to the go to linuxuserspace.show. You can click on the contact button and you can send us an email or you could just email us directly at contact at linuxuserspace.show and say, hey, you forgot the link to this thing. I actually had somebody do that. They did it on Mastodon, though. Oh, whoops. Um, yeah, I had somebody ask us about a link. Uh, I don't think, I don't know why. I, I, My bad? Maybe we forgot. My bad no, if no, I, I left it off? No, I don't think it was you. I'm sorry. Nope, I think, I think it may have been I left it off when I was writing the no. stuff, so it never made it to the notes to make it to the doc <laughs> I, I i try to go back and and, and plug in yeah. plug in the holes that we miss but you do a nah, great job i'm probably not perfect no well neither am i apparently at getting them in there in the first place that's eh, so, okay but but this is why i want a good writing app so that i don't have to so the reason i don't put okay i actually have a reason for this the the, the notes thing goes deeper than what i talked about so when i'm writing in markdown and I'm talking about historical things that happened, and I'm I've got an uh, an archive.com or, or whatever archive.org link. Those things are massive, dude. And so in Markdown, you put the uh, the thing that you want to highlight as a link in bracket in square brackets, right. and then you put the link that you want it to move to in regular parens. Right. And that's all fine and good when the link is like our Vivaldi link earlier. It's pretty short, right. right? But then when you get to the archive links, those things like take up three lines in a page. And when you're like, I want to be able to read the markdown <laughs> right. as I'm writing it. But what, the, the moment I have a link in there, I, I, it, like, it pulls me out. It, it de-immerses me and it kind of breaks my concentration. And so what I took to doing this, that the episode in question where that link didn't show up is I just started leaving them out. And then I said, okay, well, I have a list of links over here. I'll just go back and plug them in after I'm done so that I, I can have a nice writing experience. And that didn't happen. So I, I missed a couple, obviously. And that, that's, that's what I mean. If I can have a good writing experience where the link is hidden, or if maybe Hedgedot could hide them, or Nextcloud could hide them, or I could just hide them in Markdown. That would be the best solution for me. But you know, without that, I need I need something that's more in tune for writing yeah. than it is in tune for yeah, Markdown. Because because um, you can totally hide them. Obviously, you can switch to the reader mode, but it's reader mode, not writer mode. But then I can't edit. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's where Nextcloud comes in, where it's kind of like a reader mode and edit mode all smashed right. into one, but the links still bother me. Mm -hmm. So I need one step further. When I put the link in, hide the link, and then when I click on the little three dots or something, it exposes the link to where I can change it or you know edit it or whatever. Um, anyway, that was a tangent that didn't belong in housekeeping, but there you are. So go to linuxuserspace.show. Um, and here's the thing. Um, the, those kinds of conversations happen all the time, all the time, before and after the show. So you only get access to that stuff when you hit the $5 tier on Patreon. So yeah. here's how I, how I wrangle it all back in. Here's how. Yeah. So you know, Patreon, and you can hear more of those kinds of explanations, conversations, and why we put the stuff into the show that we put into the show. 
um, if you hit the $5 tier. If you do the $10 tier, you get the video. $5 is just audio of all that. 10 is my stupid deer in headlights look. Yeah. No, so you can you can pay the most and get the worst of Leo. <laughs> you know what? If that's not the tagline now, it needs to be. You can pay the most and get the worst. That's it. Absolutely it. I'm going to put that on Patreon later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. On to some feedback. Let's talk about some feedback. Uh, we got Ian. Are you are you taking this? I feel like I, I feel like this is oh, a damn yeah. thing. So, so Ian writes in. He says, uh, "Please do not forget about the enlightened enlightenment desktop, a real game changer in the early days. Very much a front runner when it comes to window animations and graphical embellishments. This is on an era when hardware acceleration was in its infancy and Compiz was barely getting started." Uh, seem very much in the image of SGI and their workstations and GUI embellishments. So, um, yeah, thanks, Ian. I don't, I don't think we're going to forget. I think it's one of the ones on a list. I don't know. I don't know how many we'll get through this season. Um, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know where we're going, but it's, we'll, yeah, I don't either. We, I, we've definitely got it on the list now. Anyway, if, if it wasn't before. Yeah. You think we have a plan. We don't. No, you might have just created it for us, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Enlightenment came up. I did I did a little digging when we got this one in. Um, Enlightenment came up uh, right around the same time that XFCE and KDE came up. Um, Enlightenment was right at that time, and then Gnome. So it's in the it's, it's in a, there. It is. It's in there. right in there. The one thing that that I did that I try to do before we jump in and say, yeah, we'll do the history of. Um, enlightenment is going to be very hard to track down. That's, that's my only reservation about it at all is that, um, it's probably more like Slackware where you yeah. got to find the release and the readmes in there. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the dev chatter and, you know, the, the strife and the, what happened and why is all. Yeah. I feel like X, it's, XFCE it's was a good one. Like they, yeah. it was all out there pretty well and and easy to find ish. Yeah, KDE. Yeah, I mean uh, yeah. GNOME too. Yeah, the, the very public inflammation <laughs> of tensions, <laughs> very public, and and we skipped over a whole oh, lot. Yeah. So Both you know, we them. still got to. I still try to cram it into twenty minutes um, and make it interesting. Um, and KDE shaping up to be the same way, where a lot of it was very very public. Right. Um, and enlightenment just doesn't seem to to have the same public vibe that everybody you know, else had. We haven't poked at it yet either. So, I mean, yeah. you know, there's that. Once once we do the, I mean, once I know where the KDE history is going to land, I think I'll be able to take a look at Enlightenment mm -hmm. before we make our decision as where we're going next. But, I mean, that doesn't mean that, you know, if we skip it, like if we go ahead, we can't come back. So um, we'll, it, we'll just have to see how it goes. And like I said, I don't know how many we're going to get to this season even. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe a next season thing. It but, could be. Yeah, Enlightenment seems more difficult than the others, that's for sure. It seems like something uh, we if, should cover, though. If anybody knows where I can dig up uh, Enlightenment history, mm. like if there's, a, if there's a nice central trove of stuff, a forum or something like that, you got to let me know. And if, uh, and if you can, that, that's going to really uh, shoot up the are we going to do Enlightenment or not thing. 
So we'll see how that goes. We didn't so, forget about it. You know, and, and interestingly, they did have a recent release, uh, you know, yeah. back in December. So uh, I'll make sure yep. to link that up in the in the show notes as well. So 0.26.0 on December 23rd. It was like a Christmas release. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah really task previews, watermarks, uh, it, all kinds of good stuff. It looks man. pretty. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's got that. Yeah, it really does. It really does, but that that was that was Budgie's whole thing. They were going to move to EFL, the yeah, Enlightenment, they, and they backed toolkit. out of that. Yeah, yeah. So did okay. So did they officially do that? I don't that know was if official? it's official. I don't know how official that was, but I feel like they see because they, they're backing down anyway. Yeah, when uh, it it seemed to me that about a that about six months ago they really started to distance themselves away from saying EFL or Enlightenment or leaving the GTK uh, right. eco sphere like. It seemed like they really, really did that, but there was a lot of strife at that time. Um, and, it's you hard know, six, to say where that's going to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would be interesting if they still go EFL. It would, it would. I mean, it would be a real shakeup, that's for sure. But um, and and I'll watch it with interest. That uh, because Budgie is on the long list it's of on the list. what are we gonna? Yeah. So I got to pay attention to it. Yeah. So Vidar writes. Hey guys, I discovered your show a while ago and ended up binging all the episodes. Ooh, yeah. It, they've changed a lot. Yeah, he says it's just that good. Um, I'm especially enjoying the history stuff. Uh, you're making me a bit Linux curious here. Now, I ain't saying I'm I'm getting ready to nuke my free BSD desktop running, pla- do that. running plasma, by the way. Oh, uh, oh, that's a new development. By the way, yeah, uh-huh. and so mm. anytime soon. But you got me trying different distros and virtual machines. It says I, w- I wish you joyful holidays, and I'm looking forward to more episodes in the new year. So here we are, more episodes, and thanks for listening to the all one. of those. I mean, that's that's fantastic. And yep. uh, yeah, Leo's right. I think we have changed quite a little bit, and uh, yep. you know, it's it's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. I hope you stay. And we're getting back on that horse now, but I, I've got to talk about, just for a sec, the BSD thing. So, Plasma mm. wasn't a thing in the BSDs? No, it is It a is while. a thing. So, I, I've been seeing a whole lot of, uh, maybe it's, I, maybe I it's an open an BSD. Oh, maybe that's the difference. I don't know. but Yeah, because I've, I've been seeing a whole lot of hullabaloo about, um, and, and, and it's always been about open BSD, the pufferfish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, about now on, on uh, current, you can get plasma mm-hmm. and someone brought that up in the discord too where i think it was uh I, I was like wait is this plasma five or plasma six and we i think we 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 settled settled on plasma five. five yeah so but this is a uh maybe not in free bsd maybe an open bsd but this is a new development in parts of bsd land and that's just really cool mm-hmm. huh that's really cool so now they have plasma five plasma six win well, you know, probably soon. I don't know, but at least yeah, I think I think uh, at least as far as FreeBSD, I think they're on the uh, latest version of five, and then maybe they have yep. uh, maybe they've got some staging things where they're yep. working on the six stuff too as well. But I know yep. I know five and and plasma um, over in FreeBSD have been a thing for a while. So okay, all right. So there's something new about it, and lots of BSD folks are excited about it. So I, I need to dig in a little further and figure out what that actually is. Um, but I, I really respect the port system over on FreeBSD, mm-hmm. and it really really reminds me a lot about uh, a lot of Gen 2 and, and dealing. Well, 
and Slackware. Yeah, fair actually. enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I really appreciate the BSDs. That's really cool. Someday. Uh so uh yes. <laughs> I said this when I put it in there. I was like, I don't even know what this name is. But I'm gonna Yeah, it's a username. So Z- Zembu? I'm gonna say Zembu. Z- Z- I'm gonna go with Z Gembo. Z Gembo. Okay. Z I was I was going silent on the G, but that's fine. All right. You're fr- you're you're closer to the to people, French speaking people, and that happens a lot. I get it. So gnome gnome, I don't know. It's not wrong either way. So Oh you're 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 getting real meta on us. I get it. Yeah. So anyway, uh Z Gembu one twenty one writes uh, vanilla gnome really grew on me. I used to be a guy with 10 extensions, uh, tinkering all the time, but no more. With Debian 12, it's a very stable environment. All I added was the maximize button and open new window centered. So that's it. Like hmm. I, and, and Leo, you said you could, you could get by with like no extensions. I can. It, I do it with Fedora. It, and wow. I, I, I struggle. You're going to say the app indicators. I know you are. Oh, because absolutely. I need those. Discord's annoying. Mm-hmm. And Telegram is annoying when you close the windows and there's, they're just they're gone, but they're not. Yeah. Um, Gnome, Gnome has this thing now where, like in the, in the little panel top right, it'll, it'll say, you know, hey, there's this, you know, like iconless thing running in the background now. So they're, they're, they're warming up to the idea that you need to be able to deal with apps that don't necessarily... Yeah. X to the tray. Um, so, and I could get by if they, if they made a workable thing, and I think they're working on it. It's just not yeah. quite a hundred percent there yet. Um, yeah. So for now, I still I still like my app indicators, and you know who carries those is Ubuntu and their yep, their sure implementation, and I I really like. That's what I run too. I, I really like what they deliver. I don't need to add a whole bunch of stuff, but um, a couple. Couple uh, extensions are kind of where it's at, and I don't. I I, I agree. Like I don't want ten or fifteen different extensions to do things. And I think I think as time's gone on, I think GNOME's gotten better where you don't need all of those. Um, they've reintegrated some of those things and the needs for extensions, or at least that's been my observation. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not. You know, perfect, but um, I I don't need as many as I used to. So. Well, they're they're taking on what they can actually uh, develop, mm-hmm. what they can actually keep good. up with, and that's it's a super important thing to do. Sustainability in a desktop is, environment. Is, is important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you can't if you can't maintain it, it doesn't need to be there because yep. it's gonna it's gonna get crufty and it's gonna get bad. Yeah, don't take on technical debt. Yep. So Z, I really agree with you. I think GNOME is in a very good state. Uh, to be used as is there are some rough corners i mean as with any desktop but uh i think i agree with you man mm-hmm. um gnome's good gnome's really good especially now and so to round out the reverb focus uh space lem writes i started with gnome 2.4 question mark around 2003 i i stuck with it until 3 came out and then i jumped ship to cinnamon where i've been ever since uh, the one time I tried three, I found it very confusing and didn't know how to make it work. Uh, maybe in 2024, I might take another look at it. Yeah, 
Um, it's it's still really different. Like if you if you're not used to it, it's uh, not quite the same. And if you're you're happy with cinnamon, um, I don't know. That's that's not a bad place to land. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it's a pretty big departure from Cinnamon. I mean, Cinnamon has this very Windows-centric mm-hmm. uh, kind of situation it, by default. Um, and Gnome decidedly does not. like. No, really not. And it's not it's, it's, at it's, all. It's not like anything else. It's unique. Yeah, yeah. If if I had to say it's closest to something, I, I guess I'd say it's closest to Mac OS, but that's doing it a disservice. Yeah, it's not even that. You, know, you, go in, you go in expecting things, and it's not that either. Mm-mm. So... Uh, but it's but it's a hundred percent. I mean, as I was saying before, I mean, I, I I can really get along with it. But you do have to come in with a this is a new desktop environment. This is not something. This is not GNOME two, and it's it's barely GNOME three. And yeah, it's really different. So and, and, when, and when, so like, there's some things that are kind of nice that I like. Um, but not everybody does, right? So yeah. the the workspaces overview stuff and the way you can, you know. I like that. I, I like it too. And your applications overview, all of those things are kind of great. Um, uh, but not everybody likes that. So I can understand why you wouldn't necessarily want to land there. I mean, some people don't like hot corners and some people do. Um, so, well, you know, I mean. Luckily, you can turn some of that off. But you can. But I'm just saying, like, some some things are you know, and it, and if you're happy with where you're at, I just say use that. I don't know. So you need to. Well, I mean, go ahead, try. But I don't know that you need to feel the, you know, impetus to depart from that if, if it's working for you. Well, we all get that bug eventually. Oh, yeah. When, when you're using one, but there are seven other alternatives, you're like, I wonder if those are better. And they may not be better, but I do think they're worth a try. And that's fair. Um, that's fair. So. Yeah, I mean, give it a shot. I mean, I would say, I would say, if you're looking for not a huge departure, I would say try GNOME on Ubuntu, um, because they stuff it full of a couple of couple of extensions that would make the stay on GNOME a whole lot easier. But I mean, if you're looking for something totally different, you know, a GNOME install on Endeavor or like a Fedora would that's GNOME, that's yeah. GNOME GNOME. So try that. Oh yeah, even Debian. Uh, yeah, that's, that's no Debian would be. Yeah, no unadulterated gnome. But if you want new gnome, I guess that's Fedora and Arch and all that. Yeah, and if you want something totally different, uh, more like Windows, you probably could go like Zorin, right? Um, that's Ooh, that's got, yeah, that's yeah, got yeah. the Windows spin to it a little bit. Well, we were talking about Zorin Grid in the chats, so uh, that yeah. would be fun just for that. Mm-hmm. If if it ever if that happens. ever materializes, that'd be great. If it happens. Yeah, no. Uh, thanks for all the feedback. Thanks. You know, keep them coming and we'll try to get them into the show and uh, answered or at least read. Uh, up next is community focus. And so with this, not, not a real long one here, but like I want to highlight a YouTube channel that I found, uh, DB Tech. And this is great for the self-hosting crowd, although not not totally just self-hosting. I mean, if you're into the Raspberry Pi type things or Docker stuff or Portainer or any of that stuff, or even if it just sounds interesting, you, um, you know, maybe you want to try self-hosting some things like I know we do that. Um, it, it's great. I think it's a great channel. I think one of the recent videos that I highlighted to you, Leo, is... Mm was uh this tool called dodge i think is the way it's pronounced 
Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little different. Um, basically it's like a portainer alternative, but like a lot simpler and a lot lighter weight wouldn't be something that you'd use for teams, but it might be great for just you and your home lab. So that, that it feels very French cause it's doc G E. Yeah. Right. So it's like dog. Yeah. Dosh. <laughs> Okay, if you speak French, you gotta come in here and tell me how to pronounce this thing. Because, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, you're you're the closest guy I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, what I know is mostly slang. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first step to learning a language. Okay, <laughs> I know enough to be dangerous. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, I think it's. I think this channel is great. I think um, there's a lot of uh, home lab type things and self-hosted stuff, and and obviously yep. segues into Linux, which is what we we do here on this channel. So when I was digging through, I noticed the he had a lot of content on the Zima board stuff, oh, yeah. and this was a few episodes ago. This is something I was super interested in. I didn't have an extra 150 bucks to throw at it at the time, um, but uh, now. I'm looking at a, um, I don't know, really just an, an all-around device that I could ultimately just leave as a router if I needed. Um, because, you know, I always think about that, right? Like contingency-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if, you know, what if what if the router explodes on at Saturday, 10 p.m.? You yeah. know, everything is closing up. I don't have time. And I really don't want to be without the internet when I'm, you know trying to relax oh. and go to bed or whatever. So, um, you know, what would I do? And, you know, how long would it take me? It would take me 30 minutes to get Zima board up on a PF sense with a basic firewall going so that I could just get stuff. And then go going. to bed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, well, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Once the adrenaline has died down of, we got to get this done as fast as possible. Right. Um, but it's... um. I, I do think about that. And I don't just have a copy of every device. So I can't just, you know copy over a config and plug it in. Right. Um, so his Zima board content has been really, really good. And uh, I've also been looking at another device. Dan, you remember the name of it, but I couldn't. It started with a P. Uh, oh, pro- Protectly. Pro- Protectly. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, they have a lot of different, uh, you know, heat sink monstrosities mm-hmm. with like four to eight WAN ports or LAN ports, whatever. Um, so... Uh, I, I appreciate content like DB Tech's because he starts trudging on the content that I really like to see, and that is, uh, you know, really just self-hosting stuff. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, you know, how much would it take to run a Nextcloud on a device, and you know, have a separate device or be able to get another device like that and swap it in and out? Uh, so I, I really appreciate that kind of stuff, and his his stuff is really really interesting too. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, DB Tech, man. Check it out. It's yeah, really good stuff. It's good stuff. And so, you know, he's got a review uh, webpage uh, as well as the YouTube. And so, you know, the webpage uh, kind of backs it up as a reference as well. And uh, does the whole nine. And so, like, you know, any any of the commands and stuff that he's entering in, he'll post that on, on the page in a blog type format. And so that, you know, it helps. And uh, it's not just uh, just all, you know, shouting shouting at you through the YouTube. So. Yeah, I was going to say, it kind of beats scrubbing through the video multiple times over and over again. Right. Just to get a link or uh, to get a reference or something like that. So that really helps a lot. Yeah. And I, I think he, he breaks it down well enough that everybody, uh, you know, can follow along and understand, hopefully. So I think yep. I think it's one of my favorites. Genji Focus. 
So I wanted to shout out uh, Biku because he had uh, emailed us about Gentoo going binary. Right. So before we get into how Gentoo went over the over the break, um, I want to talk about this for a minute because yeah. uh, Gentoo going binary is the antithesis of what Gentoo is about, but not really, is it? Because uh, we've had binary Firefox for a while and binary kernels and uh, yeah, a few def- other there's a few too. other packages. Yeah, I think like Rust uh, is also a binary. Um, prob- yeah. Probably some of those heavier programming language type things are are binaries that you can get as yep. well. So, yep. Uh, this is not the whole thing, right? This is just a lot of the core stuff is is binary. Um, available as binary and so you can go you can still go compile the whole thing all all to your heart's content if that's what you want this does not change what gen 2 is at all it does not but it does add some flexibility and especially if you're trying to get your system up uh kind of in a hurry um yeah because it saves you a lot of that compile time for those core things and you can get your system launched uh off the ground and going as you can just download those binary packages and you don't have to worry about compiling because somebody else has already yep. done that for you. Yep. I think that's that's super important. And it's really cool uh, to be able to get a system up quickly. And mm-hmm. then once you start doing fancy use flag things or uh, installing weird packages that depend on other packages, then, of course, you start doing the whole compile thing. Yep. Um, but uh, I, I do appreciate that, you know, had this had had this come out when we started the Gentoo challenge, that it, it would have been something totally, absolutely different than than it is now. But I like the uh, I like the off ramp. So if I need something basic, I can get it going, and it's really kind of starting to encroach on some of those super slim Arch installs that people like to use. Um, so this is what Arch stable. It's got some <laughs> maybe some some crossover there potentially, yeah. but I I see a lot of good things being posted, uh, especially in places like Reddit and whatnot. Um, that that people are saying, "Oh, thank you for doing this. It's it's yeah. it's sped my my installation time up by a ton, and um, I I can still you know I I still have the basic principles of Jed two, but yep. you know you you know, save me a lot of time. And so I know a lot of people will say, all right, well, what about the performance of that stuff? Um, honestly, I don't know. That's something that we are going to talk about. I hope in our final episode of the season is like, you know, what the overall performance is, yeah. but in reality, I, I think you're, you're just shaving off little percentage points here and there seconds. Yeah. It's, it's small amounts that, that you're probably actually improving things. Um, ultimately it just, it, it, it makes you feel better. You knowing that you compiled stuff the way you wanted it. And that's, it's a feel good thing. So yep. nothing wrong with that. It's totally within your purview. And I feel like that's great, but, um, you know, going, going with the binary packages, you really don't suffer too much. Nah, I don't. I don't think you do. But uh, speaking of packages, though, uh, maybe your Grub package needs to be taking a take a quick look at that package because uh, something happened. Something happened, and I don't know what I did. Uh, and I, it was probably my lack of paying attention and in in, uh, in a hurry up type of thing. I was just trying to. Uh, 
About on a, a Gen 2? How dare you? About a week ago, I was trying to uh, just kind of, you know, about the Christmas time, right, right right after Christmas, actually. I was like, well. Too much eggnog. Too much like, eggnog. I was like, the show's coming. I, I really need to get my, my Gen 2 updated. And I, <laughs> and I haven't done that in a while, so I should do that. And, uh, you know, we skipped a week. So I was like, well, we're, we're, we're really deep into it at this point. So I, I, I did that and I thought things all went fine. And then I rebooted and, um, I landed myself back into BIOS. Uh oh. Uh, because it didn't detect anything bootable as far as a hard disk. And I don't know if I filled up my boot partition, uh, or it didn't write. Or it, it, it totally deleted my my boot partition. I don't know what yeah. happened. I don't know. Yeah, it's, you're faster than stable, so you definitely have more kernels than I do. That's for sure. And maybe that's my problem. I maybe I just filled it up and I didn't delete things appropriately and paid attention to that. That yeah. could be. It, it, it is probably a, a a me problem, and I've probably created this. And I and my lack of paying attention is is what landed me here. Well, the most seasoned Gen 2 users would tell you that that's true, I'm sure. And that's fine. I'll take the blame because I probably am guilty. I will say it's not the machine. It's not the hard drive because I did I did get the, the live USB plugged in and I booted to that and I can see the drive. And I know that's okay. I just haven't messed with it. I just I, yeah. I, I know I need to get back in there and either, you know, delete out some some kernels and reinstall my bootloader or something. Like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I got a little fixing to do. Well, I don't have any fixing to do. Uh, I left off the last, uh, where we left off in the last live stream, which was I installed Network Manager. Um, That went a whole lot better than I expected. I expected to have to get up and like physically reboot the machine and, Mm. you know, do some rebinding or something or other. But I mean the the little DHCPCD remove. We were cautious about it. We, I mean, you you can we see it in it. the live stream. We did it well. Uh, yep, yep. It's it's up on YouTube if you want to go watch those things happen live. Um, but we we were cautious about it. We we turned everything off with DHCPCD. We installed Network Manager. Got that all compiled. Got all the things plugged up, ready to go. Made the switch. Did a reboot and. Bingo, bingo, Bob's your uncle. We were able to log back into it. So it was a seamless transition over to Network Manager, which meant that I could then use Wi-Fi. Because uh, up up until this point, up until that last live stream, I was I had to be hardwired in. That was the only way to well, do any probably, kind of... You probably could have done some command line foo to get your Wi-Fi, but like that's well, no fun. IWL Wi-Fi would have worked just fine, uh, but, you know, no. I wanted to use only what was exposed to me in the GUI, and Wi-Fi was not exposed in the GUI. It was like a Wahoo. Yeah, I mean, mean, you got the GNOME desktop, you might as well use it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, we're 99% of the way to a usable desktop. There's nothing that I can't do that I normally do in a day. The the one thing that uh, that I think modern systems would expect that I don't have is Bluetooth. So that's um, that's likely going to be where the next live stream goes. We'll get Bluetooth compiled and installed and figured out and all that because uh, it's all part of the same firmware. That was our hang up. I couldn't even after we got Network Manager installed. I couldn't get to Wi-Fi because uh, the firmware. I never installed the Intel firmware. Which you did um, now. 
I do have it in now, and it did show up after a reboot. I didn't want to reboot because that was when the switchover was going to happen, and I wasn't confident that was going to work. I didn't want to reboot, but we ended up rebooting anyway, and network manager just worked just fine. Um, And then Wi-Fi was there. I was able to use that, but uh, I don't have – there's some Bluetooth modules. I think I just need a Bluetooth manager. I need something to manage it because I think the firmware is already there. I think the firmware is open enough that it's in the Intel firmware thing. Yeah, probably. So so I think it's in there, but um, I, I guess we'll see on the next, next live stream. So tune into that. Uh, the live stream is happens live the day after a show drops, which will be... This show. Uh, the day after yeah, this, this show. I have to look at the calendar. This show will drop on Monday the 8th, and so. our live stream will be Tuesday the 9th. Tuesday so, the 9th. If you ever see us pop up in your podcast, Watch a Majiggy, and it's like, oh, I don't have time to listen to these dudes for an hour. Uh, you, if it's the next day, you can come in and chat with us live. So uh, mm-hmm. we do the whole live stream thing. And if you can't catch it, uh, we always post those over out on uh, YouTube as well. So you can catch it there. All right, Leo. I think that's the the end of the show, as they say. And I guess so. Here we are. So next time, we are going to talk about the history of KDE and KDE Plasma. Um, and Two distinct things nowadays. They didn't used to be, but they are now. Yeah, early early days, like the desktop was actually named KDE, and now it That's is right. Now it is the Plasma desktop. So that is correct. We're going to talk about that, and that's that's on our that's on our history thing we'll have a few thoughts and you know whatever else we can cram in this show yeah which will probably be way too much just like this show uh, yeah. so in between shows you can catch us on twitter mastodon telegram matrix discord uh, lemmy don't forget about lemmy hey. um you know give us some suggestions and we can you know carry on a conversation like humans on both ends it's amazing it's a human thing. So, you know, talk to us. Give us some ideas and we'll have all the links and stuff in uh, show. So where can we find you, Leo? Oh, you can find me over at uh, Mastodon on uh, Mastodon.social. So you can find me at Leo Chavez at Mastodon.social. Um, still over on the X thing, so at Leo Chavez over there as well. All right, and you can find me at KC2BEZ at Mastodon.social. And, uh, yeah, I'm still over there on X as well, so at KC2BEZ over there. Um, You know, come back in a couple of weeks uh, for more Linux user space. We'll see you then. We'll see you. Bye. I'll let you check out my keyboard <gasps> while we're here. That's so cool, man. Just just look at it. It's kind of a thick little fella. It is heavy, That's a too. thick boy. I yep. love it. It is. It is. And it's it's kind of heavy. It, it, it has some weight to it. There's um, a aluminum in there, maybe? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably the base. Are you using it wirelessly? I am using it wirelessly. Oh, so my God. You're been, in 2024. It has a dongle. It comes with a wow. dongle. It's a 2.4 gig uh, dongle. So it's got its own oh, thing. Oh, so it, it's not Bluetooth. 
Oh, but wait, it has that oh. too. There's a little knob here, and uh, you can switch it to off, so you can plug it in wired, or you can use it with the Bluetooth if you switch it to Bluetooth, or you can use the 2.4 gig dongle. So I'm using it on my desktop. I don't have any Bluetooth here. Um, so that's why I'm using it. Because you haven't compiled it on Gen 2 in your Linux box no, that you're it, using it, to it, record today? It's a desktop. It does not have Bluetooth. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. So that's why I'm using the dongle on this. You know, I got I got some programmable buttons up here. and obviously, Yeah, so those, those don't do anything yet. Uh, probably not, no. <laughs> oh, pu- push it. What does it do? Uh, I guess we are done with the show, huh? 